How can we make the idea of judgment good news? Or will it always have to have a touch of bad news also? Welcome to The Good Word. I'm Alden Thompson, host and study guide author for our discussions this quarter on Life Everlasting, on Death, Dying, and the Future Hope. I'm Professor Emeritus of Biblical Studies from Walla Walla University School of Theology. My conversation partners, Jody Washburn and Dave Thomas, are also from the School of Theology. So, let's take a look at the judgment process. Now, I really, I'll admit to being fairly unhappy with the shape of this particular lesson, because I don't think judgment is necessarily a positive term. Now, there are a couple of Psalms where judgment is comes from the Lord, it's positive. But typically, we don't see that as positive, or am I mistaken? I think there's two... Well, before I say that, let me just say, judgment doesn't really translate completely cleanly onto the variety of words that we find in the in the Bible, but the two examples that I've often heard cited when discussing how judgment might be viewed positively from Old Testament mm-hmm. material, one is the book of Judges, where God is described as raising up a judge, mm-hmm. and if you look at the, the schematics, the way I've heard it summarized, is that you could almost see each of those What's depicted as an intervention, really, where someone is raised up, the judge is raised up, it's always in response to oppression or to some kind of trouble. So it's in favor of the people that the judge is being raised up over. Okay, mm-hmm. So that's, that's one example. And another is um, what Jacques Dukan and Stravko Stefanovich point out about Daniel, that over and over you see, quote-unquote, judgment in favor of, yeah, Daniel 9. Yes, of the people. And so those are two examples that, you know, don't quite allow us to have a clean cut, right? All the negative connotations that we might have connected to quote-unquote judgment, which is legitimate because I, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, do not judge, right? It's not just our modern sensibilities that... Yeah, I'd love to know what that actually means, do not judge, because we make judgments all the time. You have to make judgments in order to live. You do, you know? yep. But I, I, I also think, though, that you can think of judgment as a positive thing if you are exonerated. Like if I went to court on a case and won, I would come out thinking this was a good thing mm-hmm. because it cleared the air and now I'm free. Uh, if you're con- condemned... <laughs> then judgment you'll talk about as a bad thing. Well, I think many Adventists tend to think of judgment in the negative sense. Oh, yeah. That you stand in judgment. As in condemned. Yeah, as in condemned. But I think that's partly because of the residues of perfectionism. Yeah. You know. There's also the sense that I think the word judgment in general, for and maybe I should speak only for myself, but in general, the connotations, if I was to do one of those word cloud exercises where you write down all the pictures and connotations around a word – most of them would be legal. Yeah. But but that simply does not map onto the Hebrew Bible at all. So you have some language that we can translate as to, to judge or make a judgment that does stem from legal language, but you have the 
other words also like discernment um, to govern over, and I could go on and on, you know, to deliver. But to map all of our connotations from a legal framework onto the biblical narrative where we find the word judge would not paint a fair picture, I don't think. Let me just point out here two Psalms where the term judgment is, and in Shaphat, to judge, is, is a very positive one. You know, that's the words where the judge in the book of Judges comes out. Someone who comes to deliver. Mm-hmm. Verse 11, this is Psalm 96. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar, and all that fills it. Let the field exult, and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with truth. That's a great a great piece. It is. And Psalm 98 is very similar. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre and the lyre and the sound of the melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy at the presence of the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Mm, mm. See, both of those are just, uh, the Lord's going to come to judge. And if you're a biblical literalist, it's a problem with the sea, with the things clapping their hands. <laughs> It's not just floods clapping in the Hebrew Bible. It's the trees clap, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the so, other, hold on. There's another place where I think judgment uh, is, is alluded to, at least, and in a positive way, and that's Habakkuk 3, where Habakkuk has been irate against God. Yeah. Why do you let all this evil happen? And chapter 3, God comes out, and you have this spectacular display of divine activity, you know, arrows flying and the sea being threshed and mountains moving. But then it says that God comes out in favor of the people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that, that's kind of like a, a, a judgment when God comes out to, to as a warrior. There's going to be judgment, but it's mm-hmm. a positive one for those who believe. Mm-hmm. The other word that I'd like to tuck in here that has a very bad reputation is the word law. I don't think we've ever heard anybody say, it's the law, with a friendly tone of voice. <laughs> it just doesn't fit, see? Yeah. And, in fact, if you look at uh, – one of the fun things I like to do is look at the seatbelt signs. The one, in fact, is still over by the old general hospital sign is sit there. Buckle up. We love you. See? doesn't work at all. See? Buckle up. They had to move find to $97. Buckle up. It's the law. <laughs> yeah. It's buckle up. We love you. Then it's buckle up. It's the law. But then there's one that's kind of a halfway buckle up. It's our law. That one softens it a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, then click it or tick it. See? Yep. But but isn't this why the, the concept in Jeremiah 31 is so wonderful, that the law will be written on oh. people's hearts? So it's not an external imposition anymore, but it's an internal. And no longer will they teach one another. Yeah. Uh, for they all know me from the least of them yeah. to the greatest. But see, this is the difference between constraint and restraint. Yep. And I like to talk about this in classes, that restraint is something that's applied to you from the outside, whereas constraint is a willing compliance. And the dynamic of those two is very different. Yeah. And that phrase, you know, just to go back to the connotations, again, we have associated with law, and to think of how that might map onto what we read in the text when we find the word law. 
Well, one of the words for law, there are there are plenty, but one of the words for law in Hebrew is teaching. So you quoted from Jeremiah 31, right? No longer will a man teach his neighbor, saying... And we, we often think, oh, that means we don't need sort of a, a big, you know, code of Hammurabi with all the city codes put in stone. Now, you know, our own hearts have been turned from stone to flesh, and God can write directly on our hearts. But there's a sense in which even that phrase itself, no longer will a man teach his neighbor, is talking about law, right? Law was, you know, well, it's the word Torah, for teaching. Torah, teaching is a very positive one. Yeah. And to have it written on the heart. I don't like to, well, Dave knows this. You know, I, I hate to be told what to do. See? Most people do. I mean, most people do not like, to, like be, to be told what to do. That's right. Okay. Do not. That's right. See? And of course, that passage in Jeremiah is an Old Testament passage. The new covenant, which is basically a renewed covenant, God will come in and renew that covenant. It's, it's really a, a wonderful situation. So if we. If we then look at how we can make God work, I had two teachers, for example, I mean, two students once that uh, talked about the different motivation. Because I don't think we can do away completely with the negative. No. Uh, it comes, and I use this in the last part of 1 Corinthians 4. What do you want? Shall I come to you with love? What do you want? You come with a stick or with love in the spirit of gentleness? Paul comes right out and uses it. And I've had amazing experiences in class there. I used to, uh, you know, would come up to a student who wasn't getting the assignments in, and I said, uh, do you want me to come to you with stick or with love, spirit of gentleness? About 70% of the students, and this is just a rough guess, would say, no stick knocks, no, I'll get the stuff in. <laughs> but about 30% would say, I need the stick. <laughs> Bring it on. And Greg McKelvey, one of our graduates from several years ago, made the comment. He said, and probably half of those who say they don't want the stick need it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that idea of being description of a new good, and of course the other passage uh, with law, uh, and it's one of my favorite passages in Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 5. See, just as the Lord my God has charged me, I now teach you statutes and ordinances for you to observe in the land that you're about to enter and occupy. You must observe them diligently, for this will show your wisdom and discernment to the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and discerning people. For what other great nation has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is whenever we call upon him? And what other great nation has statutes and ordinances as just as this entire law that I am setting before you today? That's, uh, you know, you just they're popping their buttons. Now, one other, Dave, did you have something you want yeah, to say? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the one thing that we should think about judgment, and it's the big picture issue, is that when God comes to judge the world and finalizes judgment, the issue between good and evil is settled. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a very good news, that, that yep. kind of judgment settles the whole thing. And that will be our lesson, our last lesson for next week, where we'll, we'll come into that. See, it's, uh, it's amazing. The, the title of this lesson is also really important, I think, or the theme the, that talks about the judging process. Yeah. So we've been using the word judgment, yeah. you know, but I think 
it can be helpful to think uh, and and I again I I, go, I like the word discernment. Life is a discernment process, yeah. and God participates in that. Which this Deuteronomy text, so I mean, a great nation has a God so near to it, yeah. it captures that sense of. You know, there's a funny little thing here, and I think I can quickly tuck this in. The Germans uh, don't like the idea of law as good news because they just react against that. In fact, there's a German equivalent, excerpts from the Old Testament, the good news for modern man, and they left out Psalm 119 completely. (laughs) That shows you the Your law can't be a lamp to the feet. (laughs) Right, it can't be. To sum up, we have discussed how difficult it is to communicate law and judgment in a positive way. Most of us are so conditioned by negative perspectives of law and judgment that we almost need to rewrite the English language. Yet Scripture gives several pointed clues that can give us hope. My thanks to Dave Thomas and Jody Washburn, my conversation partners, to Kristen Barley, our program engineer, to each of you for listening in for the Good Word. I'm Alden Thompson. You've been listening to Good Word, a production of the School of Theology at Walla Walla University and KGTS-FM. To order a copy of today's broadcast, you can call 509-527-2194. Thanks for listening, and we'll be here next week at this time with Good Word.